0: Support for this podcast comes from Troy University, dedicated to teaching a new generation to lead change. Information on leadership opportunities available to students from day one is at troy.edu slash lead change. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. During the last decade of her life... Harper Lee, author of the book To Kill a Mockingbird, looked forward to regular visits from her friends Wayne and Darty Flint. Dr. Wayne Flint, historian and educator, joins us today by Skype to talk about the Harper Lee he knew, a private person with a sly sense of humor. He discusses his own latest book, Afternoons with Harper Lee, during the 60th anniversary week of TCM's big screen classic series release of the famous movie. Dr. Wayne Flint, it is a joy to visit with you by Skype. Thank you for joining us again.
1: Oh, I'm honored to be asked.
0: You're in the middle of your grand tour in celebration of this book and you and your late wife's friendship with Harper Lee, the acclaimed novelist.
1: Yes, and I have two wonderful friends, uh, one a former graduate student, one a member of my Sunday school class at Auburn First Baptist. They have uh, sacrificed a large part of their life to drive me around the country.
0: A lot of people have written books about Harper Lee. You have been a friend of Harper Lee. How do you treat her as a subject?
1: Thank you, Carolyn. I I try to stay away from the Marble Lady because everybody else has written about the Marble Lady that they did not know. She was no Marble Lady, she was an authentic Alabama woman. That's the highest compliment I can pay to her. She was her own woman, she was bigger than life. She didn't care what people thought. She was just an absolute free spirit and one of the most wonderful people that I've ever met in my life.
0: The book that she wrote that was such a gigantic hit, To Kill a Mockingbird, let me ask you about Charles Shields, who wrote the New York Times bestseller, Mockingbird. In that book, he talked about how her editors had reworked her manuscript. The book that came about was different from her original manuscript, so... I guess the idea was that this was a jointly crafted book rather than her original. What would you say to that?
1: First of all, in my current book, Afternoons with Harper Lee, I talk an awful lot about Tay Hohoff, her editor at Lippincott. I would also say that in some way, every book is a cooperative experience. There are very few people who just hunker down for five or six years without anyone seeing the book and write it. They send it to friends. In my case, my wife was not only an English and theater major, but an expert in oral interpretation of literature. I asked her uh, opinion all the time, and she read every book I ever wrote and critiqued it and gave me suggestions and proved it. I, I think everyone who's got any sense at all assumes that they're too close to the subject they're writing about to really be entirely objective that there are better ways, more precise ways to say something. And without good critics and good editors, the book's not going to be as good as it could have been. So why should I expect something less from Harper Lee than I expect from myself? And she had one of the best editors there ever was, who actually had written an extensive essay on the experience of editing Harper Lee, which I include in the book. It's the longest quotation in the book, and one of the most important, because it deals with how A book is really not just the experience of an author, not just the projection of an author, but a kind of community project. And I actually sent it to 13 people. And so to some degree, every one of them has a little piece of this book, although it's my book. But I think anyone who's arrogant enough to say, well, I don't need any help is way too arrogant to publish a book.
0: (laughs) Dr. Flint, Harper Lee was surprised to find that the New York Public Library had her notes that she made for her research for Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Have you seen those notes?
1: Uh, I have not seen it, though— that announcement was made after I was there the last time. And so, on my book tour, we're planning to get to New York. And one of the things I'm going to do is New York Public Library and see if I can actually read her handwritten notes. You and
0: your wife spent a lot of time with Harper Lee in her later years, and people were saying she had dementia. What were your impressions?
1: I'm glad you asked. I'm 82. And if someone said, are you a little slower on the uptake, remembering names and remembering things, I would say, oh, Lord, yes. (laughs) Sometimes it's a name I know as well as I know my own name, and I'm a little slow getting it out. Aging is an issue, Carolyn, with almost anybody in their 80s or 90s. And she was almost 90 when she died. Now, she had a sister whose mind was as keen as could be, and she died at 103. She could name the presidents in order What do you have, one in five, 10 million Americans who could do that? I'm not one of them, and neither was Nell. Nell had a lot on her mind, and she was no Alice Lee. Both of Nell's sisters lived to be in their 90s or to 103. In Alice's case, Nell lived even after her stroke to be 89. And so she was not as quick as the first time we ever heard her speak. But what I try to do is to take my research on dementia and memory loss and process it through all the things she could do. She, like me, had good days and bad days, partly depended on the weather, partly depended on the time of year it was, it partly depended on whether she would gotten a good night's sleep or not. Sometimes there were moments when I thought she might have dementia, and there were other times when her mind was as clear as a bell. And as I pointed out, most of the people who circulated the rumors of dementia didn't even know her, <laughs> had never met her. They had no access to her because she was under a fake name at Lakeshore in Birmingham, and she was under a fake name in the uh, Metis assisted Living in Monroeville.
0: And finally, when you compare Ghost a Watchman* with To Kill a Mockingbird, how do you account for the
1: differences? I think Watchman is the first book she wrote, and that's what everybody needs to remember. I mean, there's a reason why her first book was not published. <laughs> it wasn't good. She, she had to learn the skill. Tay Hohoff had to buy into what she was trying to do and help her with the skill. It would not be unusual because I go through probably, in the case of Afternoons with Harper Lee, I actually revised it 50 times, if you can believe that. That's what it really takes to turn out a book that's a gracefully written and beautifully organized book. In a sense, it takes a village to write a book.
0: (laughs) You have shared such an insight into how she was toward the end of her life. And you say in the book that while she was in this rehab facility or assisted living, her mood shifted from depression to melancholy to loneliness plus witty conversations, and I think you and your late wife Darty provided that light touch that brought her back.
1: That was our purpose, after we met her, to lift the burden she felt and the darkness she felt, and to laugh and make fun. And I think there are some people who read the book, Carolyn, and they'll say, you know, you're awfully familiar with her, uh, how dare you say something like that to one of the greatest writers in the world? According to the New York Times book review section last December, to Kill a Mockingbird, on the basis of replies from 67 countries, was designated by those who responded to the questionnaire, the most beloved book published in the world in the last 125 years. Doesn't that say wonderful things about Alabama? We produced some of the greatest writers in the world.
0: It is a joy again to visit with you as you continue your grand tour of some seven months.
1: Uh, It's an honor, Carolyn. Thank you.
0: Joining us by Skype was historian and educator Dr. Wayne Flint, author of the book Afternoons with Harper Lee. He is on a multi-state tour to talk about the famous Alabama writer that he came to know during the last decade of her life. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is now a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.